Hey, howdy, space nerds. This podcast is a production of WMFE Public Radio. As a public radio station, we rely on the support of our listeners to keep the lights on and programs flowing. We're in our silent pledge drive right now and could use a little help reaching our fundraising goals. You can make a contribution by visiting WMFE.org slash support or calling 1-800-785-2020. Thanks. From the studios at WMFE in Orlando, Florida, this is the Space Exploration Podcast that asks the question, are we there yet? Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. Every rocket that launches from Cape Canaveral falls under the watchful eye of the Air Force's 45th Space Wing. Headquartered at Patrick Air Force Base, the wing is responsible for the safety of the launch, including weather, and the safety of the residents of Florida's Space Coast. Air Force leaders want to ramp up launches from the Cape, targeting 48 launches a year. That drive falls under the command of the new leader of the 45th Space Wing, Brigadier General Douglas A. Shess. I sat down with General Shess at Patrick Air Force Base to talk about the 45th's role in launching rockets and upgrades happening at the base to help support more launches. First of all, let's start with kind of explaining the role of the 45th in, in launching rockets. Sure. What's your job here? Yeah, so uh, we kind of have two aspects to our job uh, from the launching the rocket standpoint. The first is uh, what we call range safety. So we have the Eastern Range here that's a huge uh, instrumentation part of the basically a, a big portion of the Atlantic Ocean that we're responsible to make sure that a rocket is safe from a public safety standpoint. In other words, we don't want a rocket to endanger the public. Uh, second, we need to do resource protection from a still range safety perspective, we need to do resource protection. And so a lot of the things that we have at the Cape Canaveral and Kennedy Space Center are important to other space launches, and so we need to make sure that we protect those uh, during uh, a launch. The other part of that is what we call mission assurance. So in other words, we need to make sure, especially when it's a national security space satellite, we need to make sure that the contractors that are preparing the rocket and actually getting the rocket ready to launch have done everything that they need to do to make sure that that rocket's going to get that satellite to the proper orbit. So that mission assurance is us doing that second set of eyes on what the contractor's doing uh, to be able to make sure that it's uh, it's going to get in the right orbit. When do those preparations start ahead oh, of launch? Yeah. So part of it depends on which rocket and which satellite. So uh, a lot of the satellites get built somewhere else, and then they come here and they get their final processing in this area. Uh, depending upon what kind of satellite, some of that's done on uh, Cape Canaveral, some of that's done at Kennedy Space Center, and some of it's done in, in private uh, companies that are around the area. Uh, and then the rocket as well is a lot of times built in other places, and so that it all comes together here. Uh, and so, uh, you know, a big, uh, for example, uh, SpaceX, uh, they're continually doing um, launches on a, on a pretty regular basis, and so uh, could be, you know, a month out we're doing different things. Now, uh, different or unique launches, uh, maybe when we did the the Falcon 9 Heavy or the Delta IV Heavy could be m many, many months that we're doing it. The satellite part, actually, when we're making sure that the satellite's getting mated to uh, the, what we call the upper stage uh, of the rocket and then putting the payload fairings on it, uh, that could be very uh, lots of weeks, too, uh, up to months uh, preparing that. And so the folks that are doing mission assurance have to make sure that all that's ready. So it's not a great answer, but it, it depends on the, on the satellite and the rocket. So. Now, now, you mentioned uh, one of the things that you look for is, is public safety. Mm -hmm. Are you also looking at things like space traffic? Do you have to keep in mind what's yeah. what's above us at the, at the time? Yeah, actually, that's kind of interesting. So one of my previous jobs, I was the commander of the 21st Space Wing at uh, Peterson Air Force Base. And they have a squadron that does uh, what we call the space catalog. 
uh, and uh, but it also is just monitoring all of the uh, the uh, basically everything that's in space, and they're and they're keeping track of that for us. So when we do a launch, we have what we call a uh, collision avoidance, and so in other words, we go out to that squadron and we say, hey, we're going to launch a rocket on this azimuth for this orbit at this time. Uh, can you do a run for us to make sure that we're not going to you know hit anything on the way there? Uh, and so they do that. They do it many, you know, many weeks in advance. So we kind of get, but then of course, actually, while we're sitting down on the con- countdown, we do another one and we take a look at what's out there and make sure that we don't um, put any danger to the new satellite that's on its way up or the rocket to make sure that we don't. We don't actually do the monitoring to know uh, where everything is. That's what the 21st Space Wing does out at Peterson. But we work with them to be able to make sure that we are as safe as possible. You don't hit it on the way up, right? No. So <laughs> actually, it's kind of funny. I, you know, you you could actually hit something because there's there's we we take a risk of this is a pretty small piece and, it, and it's going to be okay. Uh, I say that, but then you know, for the International Space Station, a little piece would be very dangerous. And so, uh, but for a rocket, might depends on where it's at in the orbit and where it's going. Uh, maybe the payload fairing's still on and it's not a big deal. Uh, but we we have um, very smart people in our safety and in our collision avoidance that say yeah this is this is good to go and it depends on actually who who we're launching it for so if it's a co- it's a commercial company they decide whether we're gonna we we have a what we call a range safety now there's no way we're gonna go through that but then they decide if maybe it doesn't meet the range safety but maybe it meets their hey we don't wanna we don't wanna mm-hmm. um, we don't want to take a chance. What about weather forecasting? That's that's another yeah, important aspect of launches is. That, that you take care of, General. Can you kind of explain the, sure. the role they play? Yeah, so we have the 45th Weather Squadron here that's a part of uh, uh, our wing, and they do an incredible job of making sure uh, that we're ready to launch on, on launch day. Uh, so uh, this is probably the best place in the, the world to launch uh, the kind of uh, orbits that we launch into. Our sister wing, Vandenberg, 30th Space Wing out at uh, Vandenberg, they, they launch different types of orbits and, and they're perfect for where they're at. Uh, but so geographically, this is a great spot. However, this is uh, the lightning capital of the world per se, or at least the United States. And so that makes things a little bit more difficult. Lightning and rockets don't necessarily uh, uh, go together very well. And so, uh, but there's all kinds of other things, different kinds of clouds, different kinds of uh, just the electromagnetism that's in the air, rain, uh, all those things. And so we have very specialized weather officers. We call them launch weather officers. Uh, they get trained in what's, um, what all the criteria uh, and from several decades ago, uh, uh, people put together what's a criteria that this is okay to launch through. And so these weather officers spend quite a bit of time getting certified. Different, different thing than, the, you know, your weather that's just doing uh, like an airfield or something like that. Although these, these, these folks know how to do that as well. So they get trained and then they, and, uh, you know, they sit on console with us during the launch and they're continually evaluating. We have all kinds of instrumentation to give us the best forecasting capability that we can have. And, and I've sat on launches before where, you, you're driving up to the Cape and you're like, there is no way. The weather is completely bad. And then I walk in and the weather forecaster's like, hey, sir, we got, you know, depending upon the launch window, which depends on what the satellite is and the, and the orbit it's going to, hey, sir, it looks like we got a 10-minute window that we're going to be able to launch through. And sure enough, most times they're right. And, and then we launch through that. Uh, but they're also, you know, sometimes uh, they're telling us, hey, we're not going to be able to launch, you know, uh, during this window. And uh, But a lot of times we still sit in the count because uh, you just never know. Weather's not... It's, they do a great job forecasting, but weather changes, mm-hmm. you know, pretty darn quick. And some of the instruments that you use for those weather yeah. forecasts are the same satellites that you're launching here, right? Right. So we uh, obviously have uh, uh, weather satellites, both uh, Department of Defense and commercial, uh, Na- the NOAA uh, satellites. But we also have a lot of instrumentation just around the Cape and the local area, too. We do weather balloons, send up a weather balloon that's given us the wind data and, and things like that. But we have all kinds of 
uh, weather visualization is the, the next thing we're doing as we're moving into what we call our multi, uh, multi-domain operations center. So we're, we're taking the instrumentation we have and maybe taking it to a ne- next level. It's this innovation. So for instance, um, we might observe lightning uh, in the area and in the past we've had to go, okay, we don't quite know exactly where that lightning is or, or was and is it going to be in the path of the rocket and so maybe we make some more what I'll call conservative decisions on um, not launching during this time. But we're taking all of that data, they're using uh, uh, higher uh, fidelity um, algorithms and putting that together so then they can actually look through, hey, here's where the rocket is going and they can say, you know what, even though that, that lighting just happened, it's, it's not going to be anywhere near uh, where we're going. So those, a lot of innovative folks in the, in the weather business trying to get it so that we can launch more often as we, you know, we drive to 48 to get to 48 launches. We don't want weather to be the thing that, that holds us back, uh, even though we know that we have to, you know, be mindful of it. You just mentioned it, that drive to 48, that's, yeah. that's, that's 48 launches in a year, right? Correct. That's, that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of a, you know, we just threw it out there. I'm not saying that uh, it, it didn't have a, um, a lot of data behind it because it does, uh, but we just, hey, this is a, you know, a big goal that we're going after. And what that really means is there's obviously 52 weeks in a year. We need about two weeks twice a year to what we call uh, uh, recapitalize and do maintenance on the, the range. And so we take all that instrumentation, maybe do some periodic maintenance on it, or, or we bring in a new capability. So if you take those four weeks out, that leaves 48, and we say, hey, let's launch a rocket once a week. Uh, but I, I don't know that we're going to stop there. We, let's, maybe we're going to launch a rocket once a day. Uh, but right now what we're seeing, uh, we're at 21 launches this year. Uh, and uh, our schedule, it, it, it always is changing based on what's going on. Uh, and we have at least four uh, more scheduled for the year, maybe five. So we're really hoping to get to 24, 25, maybe 26. So we can say we're halfway to 48. Uh, but most of our schedule uh, looking out to 2019 is around 30. And so uh, we're, we're on the way. But it's, it's not just the innovation that we have to do and the things that we have to do for the instrumentation. Uh, instrumentation. It's a culture. It's a culture of, uh, you know, we want to be as, as fast as we can so that we can uh, be good customers with our, our commercial folks that are launching to, to, for their business. But then their next, the next day they're launching for us for our national security space. And that's what the great teamwork we have here together. Would the 24 launches, would that be a record for – So uh, we really think uh, way back in the heyday, they probably launched a a lot more than that, uh, and maybe not all of them were orbital, maybe suborbital. But in the latest uh, period of time where we really kept great track of it, we had 23 launches in 2016. Uh, and so uh, that was a, that's a pretty good year. Uh, but it, we we believe if we can get to 24, 25, that, that will be the most we've had in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, launches are ramping up with some private customers that, that you spoke about, um, you know, all these different national security missions. What are you doing here on the base to prepare for uh, such a, a packed schedule of launches? Yeah, so one of the things we're doing under uh, General Raymond's leadership, the commander of Air Force Space Command, uh, is uh, looking to make sure that we're not duplicative in our efforts. So in other words, you mentioned commercial companies. So uh, while we still have a requirement because they're launching from Cape Canaveral Air Force Station or Kennedy Space Center, we have that requirement for protection of resources and protection of the public. The Federal uh, Administ- uh, Aviation Administration, FAA, actually licensed some of those folks to launch when it's a, a commercial launch. Uh, and if they can tell the FAA that they have everything they need to do to be able to take care of that public safety, uh, then we still have our part of resource protection and others, but we, we kind of allow them. We want to make sure that when they go through the FAA process and our process, 
that we're not duplicative. In other words, uh, for that company, they don't have to think, oh, I'm going to do something different when I talk to the 45th Space Wing than I am when I go to FAA, or even I'm going to talk when I go to Vandenberg different. And so get rid of some of those duplicative efforts. We want to be able to change the range faster. So in other words, that's uh, bringing up the instrumentation. Uh, one of the things we did is uh, we used to have big, huge antennas uh, that take a lot of maintenance and a lot of care, and we still have them. Uh, but we also have these things called uh, frequency control vans. And so, uh, you know, satellites sometimes can be very susceptible to uh, different frequencies out there that might hurt them while they're here, you know, on the earth before they get launched. And so a lot of times we'd use those vans to measure uh, the uh, frequency. So in other words, uh, maybe a ship, maybe a cruise ship, maybe some other ships out off, and they're, and they're uh, using a frequency that would maybe hurt our satellites. So our vans would be out monitoring that spectrum, and they'd be able to say, hey, hold on, we're, we're seeing some spectrum over here. Well, those same things can do telemetry antennas. And so we had very innovative uh, civilians and military folks that said, let's, let's turn some of those vans into uh, some telemetry vans. And so then that gets us away from that big static uh-huh. antenna. Obviously, things that help that are, you know, um, networks that are, are faster. And, and so you can have a smaller antenna. And so we're looking at different ways to do that. Because if, you know, for instance, instead of having a bunch of static antennas across the range, if I had a bunch of vans and then I can move it over here when I'm launching here today, and then I move it over here when I'm launching some other day, and then I can bring it into a hangar, mm-hmm. take do all the maintenance instead of going out to a big antenna and doing it. So that's one of the things that we're working on is to be able to make the range faster, be able to turn the range around. You know, in other words, uh, launch today for, you know, SpaceX with this satellite, launch tomorrow with ULA and a different satellite, and and being able to turn the range around uh, to have a different configuration than it had the day before. And so uh, a lot of innovative things going on to make sure that we can go faster. Are other launch facilities looking to you to kind of see the best practices that, that you've tried in, and kind of utilizing them at other launch facilities? Yeah, so we're really working together with our sister wing out at Vandenberg uh, Air Force Base that does launches out there. And so, as a matter of fact, we're, you know, we're meeting all the time. We call it range of the future. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we make the range more modernized? And so we're working together. But we also uh, are a part of what we call the Range Commanders Council. Uh, and so up in Wallops uh, in Virginia, NASA has a range up there. They do mostly suborbital up there, but they, but they can do orbital. We work together with them, and we make sure that we have uh, you know, best practices, lessons learned, and, and work those through those council uh, to make sure. And then we're, we, you know, we've always had a great relationship, but we have probably the best relationship I've ever seen with our commercial customers. You know, and that sometimes they have great ideas, and we're, the open communication we have with uh, SpaceX, ULA, and then bringing on the new customers with Blue Origin and others. We're working together with them uh, to make sure that uh, w- by working together, we're going to be better at this. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think you'll get to a point where you have to turn customers away or, or turn launches I, away? I hope not. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, one of the things I guess uh, if you if you think about it is the Cape Canaveral is only so big. It is big, but it's only so big. If we continue to bring other customers on and and, uh, and, you know, maybe they'll start to be too close to each other. Uh, but I, I, I don't see it right now. You know, if I was doing my mission brief, I have a big picture of the Cape, and I show what we're doing now, and then I show what we're going to do in the next five years, and we're adding lot, lots more uh, capabilities. So I don't, th- I don't see that happening in the near future, uh, but, uh, and, and hopefully we're going to be so innovative and in thinking through that w- that won't ever happen. So now there's some other private launch facilities opening yeah. up across the country in Camden. Um, there's, there's one in, uh, down in Texas. Mm-hmm. Is that a threat to Cape Canaveral and, and what you do here? Yeah, so we never think of it as a threat. Uh, obviously, uh, we have the resources here that we need to be able to launch the national security uh, space uh, satellites with. And uh, the more uh, 
more folks that are launching, the more folks that are bringing innovation to it, it's great. You know, one of the things that we do here uh, that, that you really can't do in other places right now, per se, uh, is that uh, we can make sure that you don't launch over people. And, and so uh, they've got a lot of things that they've got to work out at those other places to be able to say, hey, here's a rocket that's going to launch from you know somewhere that's going to go over, over a public uh, area. Uh, but I don't see it as a, a, as a threat. I see it as a continuing to work together and continuing to find ways to be more effective at what we do. Mm-hmm. So. Do you feel that you have to sell the 45th Space Wing to, to, launch, to, to launch companies, or, or is it a clear bet to come down here and launch your rockets? Well, so I don't think we have to sell. I think uh, obviously because of the resources we have and the, and the space launch conferences we have that people want to come here. And, and, we, and as long as we continue to innovate and work together with them, I think they're, they're going to want to be here. Uh, you know, one of the big benefits is, is we, we say when you're going to launch a national security space satellite, you're going to launch it from, from here or Vandenberg. And so uh, they know that, that those same rockets that launch those also want to launch their commercial. And so having them work together here uh, I think uh, helps them out with their business case of I'm going to launch a GPS satellite today and then tomorrow I'm going to launch a satellite for our uh, commercial com- communications company. So uh, I think, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I have to sell it. But, you know, the one thing is, you know, that we do have to do is just talk about the partnerships we have with NASA and others uh, because sometimes I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be downtown and talking to someone and, and, and they won't even know that the folks here at Patrick are, are, are a part of what's going on. And so... Uh, maybe that's uh, our fault a little bit for not, you know, tooting our own horn per se. But uh, uh, we we have a pretty good uh, relationship with those uh, with NASA and others, and making sure that uh, this is the place to launch rockets from. So now, something that was unique to Cape Canaveral until a few weeks ago was not only were you launching rockets, but rockets were landing here yes, too with SpaceX. Yes, right. um, what goes into prepping for a booster landing like that? Is it a launch in reverse like what, what what's your role in that well in a sense it is a launch in reverse which is that's that's, that's interesting you say it. so when i was here 2012 to 2014 i was the ops group commander and we did not bring uh rockets back and i i'd probably say most of the folks that uh they were talking about it a little bit so even there that just by the fact i'm saying and i left in 2014 we weren't quite ready yet and so now you know just four years later uh they've uh they've done a bunch of landings i think we're up to uh 24 landings since 2015 um and so that's pretty amazing that in five in four years we're now landed on a regular basis and it is a launch in reverse because we still have to do that public safety uh, because uh, you got a rocket. The, the interesting part is I haven't been here for one yet that's come no. back. Uh, we had one come back, uh, you know, onto a barge, mm-hmm. but we haven't had one come back to the land. We, that'll happen here in the next few months or whatever. But uh, from what I understand, it looks pretty pretty interesting of this rocket coming back and so i look forward to to seeing one but you're right we have to do the same thing telemetry radar all those things to make sure that the rocket is staying on track as it comes back because we obviously don't want it to go off course and and do something that it uh, shouldn't do what are some of the things you're doing to preserve the the history of cape canaveral and the 45th space wing i mean this place has such a storied history when it comes to space exploration that's a great question so we uh we partner with we have a museum uh, up at the cape canaveral and there's a museum foundation that's a private organization uh that works through that and so we are trying to make sure that we uh keep uh uh you know keep good care of, of uh, the nation's space history. Obviously working with Kennedy Space Center, uh, who has some of that history as well. Uh, but our museum is a, you know, thing. Uh, the one part that's always hard for us is, you know, we have to protect the base. And so trying to, there's a lot of stuff behind the wire that we'd like to be able to open up to the public. And so trying to find, working with our foundation, what 
what can we take outside the, the fence and be able to show the public? And so, uh, but this is also a pretty harsh environment. You know, you think about it, it's a beautiful beach, you're out on the beach, but there's the salt water and, and uh, you know, just the, the weather out here that we have to be able to restore. So we have to, you know, pay for that actually to, you know, keep some of those things um, in, uh, I guess what I'd call pristine enough state to show. So we're working through that and uh, we want to be a good stewardship of uh, our nation's history. So. That was the commander of the 45th Space Wing, Brigadier General Douglas A. Shess. Huge thanks to the Wing's communication team, Lieutenant Paige Maringer and John Way, for setting up this interview and showing me around the base. It was my first time there. Thanks. If you got questions or ideas for upcoming guests, let me know. Email me at arewetheryet at wmfe.org or hit me up on Twitter. I'm at SpaceBrendan. You can also follow the show. It's at AWTYMars. Are we there yet, Mars? Get it? And while you're at it, be sure to rate and review this podcast so more people can explore exploration with us. Support for Are We There Yet? comes from our listeners. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more space news online at wmfe.org slash space. Until next time, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening. <laughs>